enjoy the stages that you're in. Learn as much as you can from each stage because you're going to build upon that. If you skip through it too quickly, sometimes you can't build those foundational things you do need later on. to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, who believes there is no better time than now to educate and empower financial brands to gain a fresh perspective around future growth opportunities. That's why today's episode is part of the New Starts Now series, brought to you by Nimbus, who offers a complete set of tech, tools, and services, all designed and engineered to empower you and your financial brand to maximize your future growth potential. Greetings and hello, I am James Robert Lay and welcome to the 170th episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the New Starts Now series and I'm excited to welcome Joel Swanson to the show. Joel is the Chief Member Experience Officer at Viasar Credit Union, the 13th largest credit union in the United States and he is passionate about driving positive change that makes a real impact in the lives of those he serves. Welcome to the show, Joel. It is so good to have you on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to talk. Before we get into this idea of, we'll say, digital strategy and fintech collaboration, which is an area that I know you're personally passionate about, what has been going well for you? What's what's good right now? Personally, professionally, it's always your pick to get started here. (laughs) Oh man! Uh, on the personal side, uh, my daughter's a cheerleader, and they're they're crushing it, going to competitions. That's fun. Uh, living in Florida is fun. We just had winter for two days, so yeah. we're moving beyond that. Uh, professionally, I'm not, I don't want to talk about it, but we're just, I'm just having so much fun. We're 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 taking necessary risks to really grow and be different than I think most other credit unions and a lot of a lot of banks as well. And so it's just we're having a lot of fun. I like the way that you frame that. We're taking necessary risk to grow. And there's that old adage, big risk, big reward, but maybe we frame that necessary risk, necessary reward. What do you feel the difference is? Like like why take those Maybe maybe risk is even the wrong word. I mean, it's risk the risk of not doing something is greater than the risk of doing something. Uh... Right? Living life is risk, but a lot of people then kind of close down and don't change because they're worried about the risk. But by doing that, you are actually accepting the risk of of becoming obsolete, right? And so that's how I look at that. What holds people back? Like you said, they go inside, they kind of shut down. But what's the difference, like the way that you all are operating at Vistar? I think the difference is that we feel it's necessary. Mm. Like we have, this is something we have to do uh, to stay relevant and to compete. And I think the other ones feel like, you know, what if it goes wrong? That, that's the fear, right? What if it goes wrong? And I know what I'm doing now and what that world is, and that's safer, and, that feel, and that's just human nature, right? But that feels safer, whereas we're, we're more of the frame of mind across our board, our whole management team of this is, this is a necessity. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and what I want to do, I want to go back a little bit to yeah. set the stage of how we got to this point today, because four years ago, you were just joining Vistar as the chief digital officer. And, and I'm curious to know, four years ago, at that time, what, what did digital look like? What were the conversations that were going on four years ago? You know, when I, when I came in into that role, I, I hypothesized and, and recognized the need for something, but didn't know how to solve for it yet. And that need was simplifying technology, right? Every bank and credit union is doing things the same way. And we all this Frankenstein piece together software vendors 
from, and I, I'm not I'm not naming names to be critical. It's just what it is. It's Fiserv, FIS, Jack Henry. You know, the, the list goes on. Everybody had a different version of those, and then within those companies, different products. And everyone thought they're a unique flower. And we're trying to put these things together. And I recognize that when you have that kind of a disjointed internal experience, that creates a disjointed external experience, mm. right? And, and I counted at, at Vistar, and I'm not. This was not unique to hear. Every bank or credit union like this of our size was that way. 27 different experiences that a member would interact with us digitally when they came to our website with wow. different accounts and single sign-ons and that sort of stuff. And then our employees had 27 different systems to manage. So you have the stress of that. They they make more mistakes. It's harder to learn it all. I mean, it's just it, it kind of everything starts to fall apart. And then our IT department takes longer to to roll things out because it's so complicated, right? And you accidentally you know knock a card down and the whole thing comes down, right? And so how do we simplify that? And, and my hypothesis was we need to find a, a bank in a box. We need, to, we, need to, we need to stop thinking that we're unique on the core things that we provide and find a vendor that's created banking from the ground up with at the time 2018 modern technology, right? From the ground up that says, hey, every bank or credit union needs to do the same things. Let's create that in one ecosystem. And I started going out and asking around and, and I was having a really hard time finding it. That's kind of what was going on in my mind back then. Yeah. And and so if we flash forward and to where we're at today, what do you feel has changed the most just on your journey that you've taken? And COVID cannot be an answer. I mean, that's, that's kind of obviously the, the, the given. But what has transformed the most, you know, 2018 to 2022? You know, there are now, I think I wasn't unique. You know, I'm, every time I think I have a unique idea and I go research, I find out that I'm not the first person to have it. <laughs> Once I got past that realization, you know, there's there's this now banking as a service concept and, and these platforms that are coming out that are trying to solve exactly that need. And so the difference for us between then and now is we have picked a partner to start on this journey. And so we're no longer talking about it. We're doing, mm-hmm. which is what I love. And so we are implementing right now uh, the first piece of that with a company called Nimbus, where we are implementing their digital platform. And for us of our size, we don't want to do the big bang and go all in at once because of our complexity. I don't think we're quite ready for that. We're starting with one piece at a time. But now in our journey, we can start to evaluate things and say, hey, can we fold that into the same platform? One of the things I'm glad you touched on this was we had 27 experiences on the member side externally. That then impacted 27 experiences internally. And I'm a big believer that, you know, when I wrote Banking on Digital Growth, I was all focused on the DX, the digital experience, and the HX, the human experience. That's great. But what I learned through the whole COVID experience was I kind of forgot like the most important piece of the puzzle, which is the EX, the employee experience, because a positive employee experience will yield a positive human experience that can be multiplied through a, through a positive digital experience. Yep. As as your role has evolved, or you know, chief member experience officer, and simplification has been been a, been a goal here. How has the member experience transformed most for Vistar, really through what I would call a digital first or a mobile first lens? Yeah. So we we are on that journey still, right? And our goal, again, to your point, is mobile is where everything is at. And we also have in place today still uh, a disjointed digital experience where if someone goes in their mobile app, they can't do everything that they can do if they log into desktop. And just like, again, a lot of providers out there, nothing tells them that the feature isn't available and to go online. It's just 
non-existent. So it's really a disjointed experience from that perspective. And so with our strategy with Nimbus, we will now be offering a mobile first. That's where all of our designs start. Single feature will be available there. So we're not, we haven't launched it yet from a member experience standpoint. We're still kind of in 2018 technology, but because of this journey of not just trying to, we could have flipped over to any number of digital banking providers a lot sooner, but we were trying to think about this more holistically and long-term. I got a lot of time left in my career and I, I don't want to be in this next best of breed thing every time. Cause if you replace one software solution with the next best thing for that one software solution in a decade, I'll be right where I am today. So trying to think through more holistically and long-term. That right there, I think is such a key. It's playing the long game because otherwise if we keep playing the short game, we're only putting band-aids on really a gaping wound to where when you play the long game, it, it changes the whole perspective. It gives you a sense of almost peace that, hey, I, we've got time because we're playing a much longer game. I think the other thing that I, I find interesting, just the, the way that y'all are thinking, the way you're positioning is really rooted in purpose, um, which is a big part of the whole digital growth methodology, because when you put purpose at the center of your thinking and a purpose that encapsulates people, it's a way that can be the North Star for us going forward. And I appreciate and, and really connect with the purpose of, of Star. It's simple. You exist to do good for members and for communities. I'm curious, how has purpose really helped guide some of this thinking when it comes to digital strategy and maybe even this idea of fintech collaboration? Oh, it's, it's all connected. I'll pause partway during it if we need to. But, you know, if we if we do right by our employees, our employees live in the communities that we serve and they then help those communities. If we do right by the community, that helps our employees. And then our members are our community. And so that's why it's all cyclical from our members to our employees to our community and that focus. And so that's why we just kind of boil it down to do good, bank better, right? Is that it's all connected. Now to do good and to do the most good, we have to operate as efficiently as possible because that maximizes our ability to give back to our communities, to our employees and to our members, right? That's a credit union's mission at its core. Right. But we, we are thri- really, really trying to lean into that to say, okay, how can we become the most efficient? Well, through growth scale, right? And then also through better digital delivery, better self-service options. And so that's why those two things are so important for us, the growth and the digital delivery, to make it so that when members come in to our branches or they call us, because we still believe in branch delivery is a very important pillar to this. But when they call or come in, it's because they want to and they need that that consultation, not because they have to. And a lot of times right now, they're calling because they had a problem. Right. right, they're calling because they were forced to come in, or they're they're coming because they're forced to do that. I mean, we, we want to make sure that it's it's really additive and not because there's an issue, and then that allows us to even add more into that and continue to in the growth and scale. That's a great point. It's we you know people want to versus a have to, and I think that's a key distinction of the. The, the legacy model. It's almost the, the, that approach of choose your own adventure. I want to come in because I want to come in. I don't have to, but now I want to. And that's where this idea of, of I think, if we try to do it all ourselves, it's it's going to be a challenge. Because back to your point about growth, growth is a journey. I write about this. I speak about this. I, I coach about this. Growth is a journey. It's from good to great. We want to be even better. And it is a journey that it takes time. And it's often one that we can't 
do alone. I think in today's world, if we're going to take this as kind of a rugged individualist approach, it's going to be a struggle along the way. And so I want to come back to this idea of, of, of fintech, of partnership, of collaboration. I know this is a personal passion area for you. Um, you're on the board of Circle and back to your point on Nimbus. What's your take here on fintech partnerships and collaborations? Where, where might there be opportunities to, to not do it alone, but to do it even better together? Yeah, that's a really, really good question and really good point. So also prior you know, to your other question on 2018 and kind of what was going on back then, it goes right into this too, right? Where we realized that when I say we, it really is a team effort. The whole leadership team at Vistar is aligned and really works together on defining the strategy together. I cannot take credit for it. It's an amazing team. But we realized that what's happening in the fintech space is changing the industry, whether you like it or not. Back to the risk conversation, right? Yep. It, it, changing it. And I, Brian Lauer at uh, uh, a law firm that we use, he said it, he may have got it from someone else, but I love it. He says, every fintech is falls into one of two camps. Those that want to eat your lunch or those with you, right? Well, we want to find those fintech partners that want to have lunch with us, that want to partner with us so that we can compete against those that are trying to eat our lunch. And the other thing is that we, we literally cannot compete with the fintech innovation happening because we have a fiduciary responsibility to maintain positive net worth for our members and our share insurance fund and all those things that we have. So we can't do what these fintech startups do, which is go raise capital and have negative earnings for years to invest in right. new product technologies. We can't do that. So recognizing those two things are the first two most important things to realize that it's a necessary thing to partner with and you cannot do it on your own. There's literally no way. So the way you have to do it is partner with those fintechs. We're- well, as Okay. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, where where might there be opportunities that, you know, we might not be thinking about right now? It might not be top of mind. It might not be in in the line of sight for many because you've been thinking about this for the last, you know, four or five years. What might we be missing here when it comes to this idea of collaboration? Because I like that point that you made. You know, they're either going to eat your lunch or they want to eat lunch with you. Let's go find those that we want to eat lunch together because it's a much kinder conversation. Yeah. Well, no, that, that leads into the next steps, which is, okay, how do we partner with them? That's exactly what I ask yourselves, right? And when you are a customer of a fintech, that's one way a lot of people do it. Well, we'll go out and we'll research good fintech offerings and we'll provide that to our members and we'll join their customer advisory groups and we'll, you know, help, help build their product up that way, but that'd be great. And that's what most people were doing back then and what a lot are still doing today. What we realized is that to have a true seat at the table and help drive their innovation roadmap to match what our vision is and what our members need is you have to have a seat at the table. And the only way to do that is through true partnership that comes with investment. Mm. So that's what we kind of realized is that we need to find ways to invest in these fintechs and be on boards with them and help and help them, but also help them help us and our members and the entire industry. Well, back then, no one was really doing that. There, there, there was a few. I don't, I don't want to say no one was, but it was, it was very rare to have credit unions investing in fintechs. And so we announced a $10 million fintech investment fund to announce to the market that, hey, credit unions are in this business. We want to partner with you in a real and meaningful way. But what that did that we didn't realize is it really deputized everyone at Vistar that was working with vendors to ask the simple question is, are you open for investment? And the amazing thing happens when you ask that is even if they're not raising capital or open to investment, they think of us differently. Mm. Wow, these guys are, they're asking if they want to invest. No, no one's asked us that before, you know, that from a credit union perspective, like that's, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that, right? And so what we found is people that we want to use as a, as a vendor for Vistar members, but also that are open to investment and then getting on their board and driving that roadmap. And I could go on, but I'll pause. <laughs> 
Today's episode of Banking on Digital Growth is brought to you by Nimbus, who believes in creating even better financial services for all. Better access, better experiences, better value, all while supporting the entire customer journey. And how do they do this? Offering end-to-end niche banking solutions that you can buy or build, providing accountability beyond the technology, and prioritizing impactful, intentional innovation instead of chasing features. Ready to transform what is and create what's next? Learn more at Nimbus.com. that really transforms the entire way of thinking because what happens, it's really kind of three things. You you begin to see things differently. And when you see things differently, that transforms the way that you think about something. And that, that new thinking then drives new behaviors, new opportunities, even, even new habits. And, and, and so I'm, I'm fascinated with this. What, What have been the big lessons that you've learned through this type of an experience, because it's one that I think, you know, we could all benefit from. It's really kind of where one plus one has the potential to even equal 11 um, because there's an accelerant to it. There's a, a multiplying factor. What have been the big lessons from this experience that, that, that you've gained along the way here? Well, I think the first lesson is that it's a necessity and everyone should be doing it, right? If you're going to partner with a vendor to offer solutions, you, you got to, to really make sure that you're maximizing your value. You've got to find a way to really partner with them and find ways to invest in fintechs. Every credit union and community bank should be doing this. Put some skin in the game. Put some skin in the game. Yep. And what? And then the, the thing that we recognize out of it is the cyclical benefit that happens, right? So you, if you sign up for a customer contract with a vendor, that's great. They go to market, they tell everyone, but everyone's like, okay, that's great. But if you invest in them, now, now you're as invested as they are in growing their brand. So now you're going to be much more likely to talk to people when you're out at, at conferences about them. You're going to take those reference calls. You're going to talk them up. Also, it shows that not only do you care enough to be a customer of theirs, but you care enough to invest in them. That then sends to the market like, wow, that's a stamp of approval on that vendor. So that then helps them sell more customer contracts, which helps your investment. And then the, the more surprising thing that we found, and we hoped this would happen, but it did, is that we were able to go to them. And this I'll use Payveris as a great example, right? We went to them and said, hey, we think there's an opportunity to solve a problem for our members. And they said, eh, we see that, but it's not really where our focus is. You know, that's not something that we see quite as well. But because of our partnership, they're like, but let's talk about it. And it was great. And then as we looked at it more together, they said, wow, that's a huge market opportunity for us and you. We didn't realize you're spending that much on that solution. Yeah, we should go build that and solve that for you. Now that rounds out their product mix and adds another product they can sell to their current customers. It makes them more competitive to selling the the next customer because their product offering is more robust and solves more real problems. It gets them more income, which helps our investment and helps our members. That whole cyclical nature of that is probably the biggest lesson learned is maybe the wrong thing because we... We went in with that hypothesis and hoped that would occur, but it really does occur. One of the things is a pattern here. Investment leads to alignment. Alignment leads to advocacy because we're all working on the same page and we're all working towards the same goals. And that advocacy then leads to continued growth. Back to your point, it's cyclical. It just repeats the cycle again. You know, I'm listening to this conversation I'm excited about the potential opportunity. Maybe I'm at a financial brand or I'm at a fintech and I'm like, this is what I need to hear. But I don't have that same type of buy-in and alignment internally within my organization. What might be some ways to overcome that, to overcome some of those hurdles, to overcome some of those roadblocks and maybe just facilitate, I think just facilitate a conversation because I think that's where it all begins. We have to 
overcome the fear of the unknown and the fear of change. Maybe it is dialogue. Maybe it's discussion, or maybe I'm just entirely wrong with with that thinking. There, how would you yeah. recommend someone start these conversations internally within their own organization? Yeah, and that's one thing I love about being here at Viasar Credit Union is that I didn't have to do that. Our board of directors and our and our CEO were already bought into the need to change mm. uh, and and the need to be aggressive in this area. So that's that's I, I'm very fortunate to have that. What I will say is I think as we went out as part of the Circle Fund and talked to a lot of credit unions about forming that fund and joining in on that together was really helping people realize, and I, and I think it's happening more and more, where they're seeing what's happening in the space with Apple and and uh, you know the big brands, Google, uh, SoFi, these big brands coming into our space. And I think it's much more widely accepted now that there's a, a need, right? That there is a risk out there. And so that's, I think, the first step is understanding, right? The first step in any recovery is, is first recognizing you have a problem, <laughs> right? So we, we have a problem. I think that's the first thing. So if you don't have that, then, then you need to make sure people realize. And I think the best way is to just focus on the threat. Look at those fintechs that are trying to eat your lunch and show people how they're doing that already. They're already eroding. It's interesting. You talk about the awareness piece and, and showing I can't tell you how many times I've worked with a financial brand. And I'm like, and and they philosophically know the competitive threat. But then I ask, have you ever opened an account with them? Have you ever experienced onboarding? Have you ever applied for a loan? And just what does that feel like? Because we can sit here and philosophically talk about it all day long. But until you get that mobile phone pick it up, go through the experience yourself. I think that to me, that's what I've seen the biggest light bulb moments go off is like, wow, I've heard about this. I read about it in the, in the trades. Yeah. I've never seen it with my own eyes. Now I do. Now it becomes real. I think that is a, is a great way to kind of bridge that gap of, of really kind of having the awareness and really making it real and self-actualizing what that is in internalizing. And, and to your point, you've been very fortunate to have that alignment, to have that that awareness throughout the organization, board, CEO, senior level. Um, when you think about just kind of your peers here, what might be some roadblocks that you're hearing that holds people back in this area and then I think every time that we think about a roadblock, my mind always goes, okay, fine. We have these roadblocks, opportunity, opportunity to overcome those roadblocks there. So maybe what's a roadblock, a big one that you see, and then we'll talk through an opportunity to help others. Yeah, I think I think being first is the biggest roadblock I see. People have a fear of being first. And you'll hear terms like fast follower. Right. But the moment you say you're a fast follower, you're, what you're really saying is we plan to be behind. That's what you're saying. Whether or not you realize it or not, it's reality. There's no debating that. I'd love to talk to anybody that thinks they're a fast follower because they're wrong. You're behind. You're a laggard if you're saying that. If you're not willing to at least be at the forefront of something and be leading change for what you need for your organization, driving on your vision and your roadmap, then then you're never going to get there. And so I think that's the first thing people need to get around is it's okay to be first sometimes as long as you do it in a way that's understandable and do your due diligence and make sure that you, again, have a seat at the table. Because right within our company, a department might have an issue, but it's our company. We have to fix that. If you're invested in a fintech, they're now part of you. If there's an issue, you have to fix it. There's no longer this, well, we'll just switch vendors go over here, right? They'll then write the ship at some point and you just won't be part of that anymore. Like you just have to realize that you're invested now and, and the, the lines get blurred between customer and vendor because you own part of them. Yeah. And you have to get over that fact of, 
it's okay to be first sometimes. Yeah. And, and I think that it, it is okay to be first. That's leadership. And I think leadership, it requires some courage. It requires courage and it requires commitment. And, and, and that's something that I'm writing about in, in Banking on Change, the second book. It, it's an acronym, which is, you know, if we, we must act for growth. And it comes back to the point that you're making before awareness, but awareness plus commitment. That's the C awareness plus commitment. That's where the big transformation happens because we can have the awareness in the world, but if, unless we're fully committed to, to take that knowledge and and apply and do something about it, and then we stay in the, the same exact place we were before we can have commitment, but unless we're committed to the right things, then we could just be, you know, going in a circle and spinning our wheels and ultimately we tire out. And then we go back to the cave of complacency and throw our hands up in the air and say, ah, that wasn't worth it. So many people are focused on the awareness only, but they don't, they're not doing anything about it. Yeah. Right. They're just going, they're just going to the next vendor and they're, they're, I, oh, I got this, this con, an LOS or a core or a digital, um, I'll go out and find the next best of breed. And they're just in this pattern. You know, they're not, they're not thinking about it differently. I think of one organization right now that has been in our program the last five or six years on the marketing side, tremendous progress, tremendous growth. And then they're going to go out. And a lot of it is because of the simplification back to your point to start this conversation. They've taken a lot of you know tools and have simplified it down into one particular platform. And then they're talking about going back out and almost unwinding things and restarting over and it really has me puzzled and curious as to why. And so you start digging into that why. And it's because of alignment or lack of alignment. Different parts of the organizations have different needs. And I think this comes back to this idea. When you're driving forward on purpose, that alignment really can help solidify. That's that's where the whole idea of North Star comes back into play. Because it's that North Star that when things get tough... We can fall back on that. When things get challenging, we can fall back onto the North Star. And, 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 and to your point, it's, it, is, it is doing good. Uh, it's doing good for members. It's doing good for communities. I, I, I want to get your take on this. If, if you could go back, and we'll just use the horizon line of 2018 and the journey that you've taken. If you could go back and just do one thing differently, knowing what you know now, what would that one thing that you could do differently? What would that be? If you could just get a, get a redo. Oh, gosh. You know, I don't, I don't spend a lot of my life thinking that way. So it's hard for me. <laughs> it's hard for me to go back and think through that because the, the partners that we have now and the journey that we got to, we got to because of the process. Yeah. Right? And actually they weren't ready for us back then. So if we had gone back last year and worked with some of these partners uh, and tried to do some of the things we're doing now early, it wouldn't have worked. In fact, we may have failed, right? We may have thought of failure and then, and then realized that the, so by going through the journey that we did and, and making sure the vendors were ready for us and the growth that they went through to get ready for us, I, I honestly can't think of a single thing that I would have done differently other than, you know, at one point picking a vendor before Nimbus uh, that we then cut ties with to move to Nimbus. But again, at the right time for them being ready. So that added some some difficulty in the middle. And it was a legacy, uh, it was a legacy player uh, on one of the things. So that, that would probably be the one thing. But Sometimes the process has to be followed and, and, you know, you end up at the spot that you're at. Man, you know, I, I think that right there is such a key takeaway for the dear listener is what you said. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. And it's always interesting when I, when, when I do ask that question from time to time, and I don't ask a lot, but it's, it's for those that say, I don't, I don't really spend a lot of time thinking about that. It's, 
those are the ones who are really kind of experiencing the greatest level of growth and satisfaction. And I mean, 20 years into doing this myself, people ask me, you know, what would you do differently? And I'm like, I don't really know because everything that I've done has gotten me to this point and it's, it's part of the process. Part of, and, that's, and that's career advice, right? We're old enough now where I'm sure at some point in our 20s, at least for me, after I got out of school, I wanted to be a CEO tomorrow. Right. And my father-in-law gave me the greatest advice, which is, hey, enjoy the process. Yes. Enjoy it. It is a process. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And enjoy the stages that you're in. Learn as much as you can from each stage because you're going to build upon that. If you skip through it too quickly, sometimes you can't build those foundational things you do need later on. And I, I liken that same thing for our digital journey yes. and our journey. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the ride. On that theme, what has been the most enjoyable part for you? Oh, gosh. Being first. Yeah. It's so fun. It is so fun to be first and to have a CEO, a management team, and a board that wants us to be first and that will tolerate some version of or level of mistakes that may occur along the way. To know that you have that backing, but then to be able to have this fun and be first and go do things that are truly different and unique. Oh my gosh, it's a it's a ride. It's so fun. Well, I mean, you're you're, you're blazing trails at that point. It, it's like, and, and, and I think we're the same generation. It's like playing Oregon Trail, right? You're literally yeah. out on the front, and you're getting to explore and experience new new things and new territories. I, I want to do a little trailblazing with you as, as we begin to wrap up. And this has been a lot of fun today. So I appreciate the the the, the, the thinking. If we look out, let's just keep keep the horizon line short. Because I used to say like three years, and then I started making it 18 months. Let's make it 12 months. If you look out over the next 12 months, what are you most hopeful and excited about with the work that you and the team are doing, the experience work that you're doing over at Vistar? What are you most hopeful and excited about? And then, and 12 months is a very short horizon, so that, that's easier. Yeah, I, think, I thought you were going to say 10 years. I, I was about to get – I was about to get uh, – uh, <laughs> there on that but the next 12 months for us is we are uh in march moving over to our next gen digital platform that really gives us the foundation by which to build really fun experiences on top of right we're truly going out with minimal viable product which is still going to be a huge huge upgrade for our digital for our mobile first uh digital delivery but now we can start doing the fun stuff right we can stop trying to replace what we have today and that expectation of our members and really start building on top of that and starting to connect experiences together and make all of our journeys just a seamless experience. And, and back to your comment, you know, part of part of your comment on going and opening up accounts with some of these fintechs or, or applying for loans to some of them, how easy it is. We are so uniquely positioned because our members already have an affinity to us. They trust and they like us. We don't have to beat those guys. We don't have to even be as good as them, but we've got to be at least close enough where it's not a negative and a barrier by which they go, you know what, I'm going to go over here because it's just that much easier, right? We, we can win without being as good as those guys from digital delivery. Now, I want, do I want to be? 100%. Do I have the $2 billion to invest in the Erica product that Bia did? No, I do not, right? And so we don't have to beat those guys. We just got to make sure that we're not creating conflict or uh, you know that, that barrier in between. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. It's, and I like the idea of the MVP because I think, you know, it's so easy to try to like achieve this level of idealism and perfection, but that has its own expense and costs associated to it because you'll never launch. yeah, exactly. You'll never launch. And, 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 and we get it to the 80% or the 85%. We launch it. We learn, we grow. I want to leave the dear listeners. We wrap up today, Joel, like something practical, something that can help them move forward, 
make some progress on their own journey of growth. Maybe they're on the the financial brand side, maybe they're on the fintech side, but what would be a recommendation, something small that, that you could make for them because all transformation that leads to future growth begins with a very small, simple step. What what would that be for them to move forward when it comes to this idea of collaboration, of of working together to make something even better? Uh, You know, from, from that perspective, I would just say, find a way to get equity in a fintech in some way, shape or form, even if it's starting with a fund that then does the investing for you, if that's not your expertise, which is understandable, right? To, to have the due diligence teams necessary to make sure you're going through that individually can be tough and daunting. But find a way to get some version of equity in a fintech in some way, shape, or form, just to start to experience what that's like. Great point. Great point. And I think that's right there, to experience what it's like and then learn from those experiences and just continue to apply and reapply that knowledge going forward. Joel, thank you so much. Great conversation. If someone wants to connect with you, reach out, say hello, continue the dialogue that we started today, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn all the time, but uh, a lot of sales calls come through there. So swansonj at vistarcu.org is the best, best way to get a hold of me. So connect with Joel, learn from him. Joel, thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. This has been a lot of fun, buddy. Thank you very much. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. Brought to you by Nimbus, who is on a mission to bring the people, process, and technology together to create new routes to growth for financial brands and enable them to deliver outcomes. To learn more about how you can collaborate with Nimbus to maximize your future digital growth potential, visit www.nimbus.com. Until next time, be well and do good.